Well, he's got better things for you. He's got better things for you. He's got the Holy Ghost in fire. He'll help you make it through. He's got better things for you. Hope for all you say and do. Just fix your eyes on Jesus. He's got better things for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this congregation. I thank you for this people. I thank you that you're going to move in a supernatural, in a mighty way. God, I ask you, as always, to think through this mind, speak through this mouth, that the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Lord, you're my strength and redeemer in every glad and happy heart. Say amen. If you didn't know, next week we'll be starting our, our purple book. So everyone in this church should be having a purple book. And, and thinking about who you can do the Purple Book with. We're so excited. Um, Dr. Rice Brooks, Pastor Steve Merle wrote this book. It's over maybe almost two million in, in, in print. It's used all over the world. It helps you get a big book of foundation. And I was gonna do a lot of crazy things today to help you, to help you actually do the Purple Book. These are all outfits that I wear, purple suit. This is for my robe that I wanna preach in and, and a little purple jogging suit. Purple man, you're going to see cutouts of me. All of this stuff is just to get you to really take us seriously and do the Purple Book. So uh, it's going to be life-changing. You can't do it too many times. We'll be having Wednesday night or midweek services where we're focused on it. So we want to help you. So I'm anticipating that you all be involved. Here we go. Have you ever witnessed someone who's just completely given up hope in life? And I don't want you to think about the person who's given up hope to the degree that they want to kill themselves. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about somebody who has become so hopeless that they would rather um, just completely live a purposeless life, a meaningless life. It's a pretty miserable thing to see. Um, it is just me, but I think that the world is becoming a more cynical place. We're all waiting for another shoe to drop or another tragedy to happen or another bad thing to go on. When we were doing our um, New York prayer walk um, some weeks ago, um, I, I was in a city that was uh, having a, a riot the night before. And, and the police officers that I was talking to there with another group of people, they were asking me, uh, do you think everyone hates us? And they, they didn't have the look of hope, and, and they were looking for us for hope. And, and, and I said, no, I, don't, I think people are afraid. I don't think that they hate you. Um, I think that people, uh, you know, are just nervous about what's next in life. It seems as if the system that we put a lot of trust in, the governing structures, work structures, financial structures have just let us down and it's causing a piercing hopelessness and, it, and it's overwhelming. Citizens have a little anxiousness and hopelessness. Um, you see it in communities where I've, I've been in communities, one of the communities we're going to uh, that, um, that we uh, feed people in and on, on June 19th, James A. Casey Holmes will be doing a, a Juneteenth event there. You, you, you want to go. But, but in these communities are generations of people who've lived there five and six generations 
uh, and they're hopeless. No hope of ever getting out. No hope of ever uh, achieving more than, than what they have. And it's pretty piercing. And there are some people who have hopelessness, who, who have a lot of things in life, but they can't kick addictions and, and they become hopeless, but they're still living. You know people like that. Simply put, we have lost hope in each other, in the world, and I believe more importantly, we've lost hope in God. We had confidence, uh, but right now it just doesn't seem to be working out for us. I remember uh, when George Floyd was killed and my son came to me with the hopeless look on his face and he said these words. He said, Dad, don't tell me that prayer and the gospel is the answer to this. He was in a crisis. He was stuck in a hopeless situation. He lost hope. I believe we as a community have lost hope in anything in this world right now. Um, And I believe that when we look at the scripture today in Exodus, we'll find that there was a group of people and there's a person, a leader, who simply put, lost hope and was living a hopeless life. And let's pick up this story in Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Here we go. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jephro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Now these all seem like some really basic, uh, simple things to say, but they're not basic, and they're not simple, and they're not easy, because here it is, Moses, who used to be in a place of power, prominence, prestige, education, affluence. The last we saw him, he was a prince of Egypt, saved out of the water, living in Pharaoh's house, and now we see him living in another man's house, working another man's uh, 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 job, do, uh, you know, tending sheep, and he wasn't trained as a, a shepherd. Uh, you have an educated man doing a, the, the work of a laborer, but the Bible says he's at the mountain of God. It can seem to him in the earthly sense that he's gone from a good place to a bad place, but how many know when you hear words like the mountain of God, you're in the right place? The problem with being in the right place is we don't always recognize it. You can be sitting here in church right now, you're in the right place at the right time, getting the right message that can change your life, but you might not be recognizing that this is a God place. This is the mount of God. This is the church of God. A lot of great things can happen. At this point, Moses doesn't fully recognize it, and verse 2 happens. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. So, He appears to Moses, but Moses doesn't recognize him. He says, look, and behold, the bush, not the angel, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. It was not uncommon for a bush to burn back in that day. It wasn't something that they would would normally pay attention to. But but this particular day, he noticed the bush was burning, uh, but it was not consumed. This is an extraordinary thing. Moses' attention has been captured. What does it take to capture your attention? What phenomenon do you need to see? What miracle or perhaps what tragedy needs to happen for God to get your attention? And Moses said, "Uh, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw that he had turned to see, God called out to him from the bush, said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. You know, there are so many things that can get your attention in this world. 
It's so quick on our phone. We go from one app to the next app, from one uh, media feed to the next media feed, from one activity to the next activity. It seems as if the person who can get our attention the most is the devil. He can, he can, our flesh can get our attention. The world can get our attention. But it's hard for God to get our attention. The last time he tried to do something for God was 40 years ago when he was trying to, 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 to break up a fight and defend some Hebrews. And that ended in a, in a tragic situation. But now, 40 years later, God has captured his attention through something that is very basic. I want you to see something here. God actually shows up to uh, Moses' place of work to get his attention. They're not a, it's called the mountain of God, but he, it wasn't the mountain of God to him. It was just a place where the, where, where the sheep was. In fact, Horeb means desert. Horeb, Horeb was a dry place. Horeb was not the place you want to hang out. Sometimes we're thinking that everything in our life is going, going wrong, but God is using dry places and dry seasons to get our attention, to get our focus, to actually help us. He doesn't want to leave you in a dry place, but he needs to get your attention in that dry place. It took 40 years to him to get Moses' attention while he was in a dry place. You know, sometimes the reason it takes God a long time to get our attention because we're thinking about where we came from versus where God, where God has brought us to. Are you thinking and living in the past so much that you can't see what God is doing? But I'm so grateful that there comes a day that a God keeps on pursuing us and he had the opportunity to hear his name called after 40 years. Moses, Moses. Maybe you should put your name there. James, James. Kim, Kim, whatever you want to say, fill in the blank. But it's something powerful when God who knows your name calls your name. When God who knows the number of hairs on your head actually calls your name. What will you do? Now Moses said, here I am. Here I am. I'm available. I'm showing up. You know, it took Moses a long time to hear the voice. But man, when you hear the voice, what will you do? Will you just get spooked and run away? Will you, will, you, will you know it's there and kind of acknowledge it with a grunt, but say it's too late for you, God? Sometimes God has pursued us for so long that when people give you the word of God or the things of God or a prophetic word from God, we sneer at it. We, 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 we don't want it anymore. But, but, but God is trying to get your attention so he can get your cooperation. When God gets your attention, you can get his cooperation. Here I am. And he said, do not come near. Take off your sandals off your feet for the place that you are standing is holy ground. I wonder, was it holy ground before uh, that was declared? And I would say yes. But it became holy to Moses because he was about to have a more tangible interaction with God. For some of us, who are still at home doing home worship, which is nothing wrong with, your, your holy place is your home. And I, and I love that when you acknowledge that God is in a place, it makes you think different, act different, talk different. There's things that we'll do in a gym that we won't do in a sanctuary. There's things that we'll, 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 we'll do uh, maybe when we're playing a game that we won't play that same game in the sanctuary. It's something about when God sanctifies a spot or sets it apart for holy and noble use. When he redefines it, that it becomes, it becomes more sacred. This is a holy space for you, Moses, because I'm a holy God. But I want you to know 
that God is in every place at all times. And when you acknowledge him in a place, you bring that holy environment into wherever you're at. So whether it's your home in worship, you're bringing a holy environment into your home when you acknowledge he's calling you. If you're in church, when it, it, church is not meaningful if God's presence is not here. We, 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 we sanctify and make it a holy environment. And even in your workplace, no matter if your boss knows the Lord or not, it can be a holy, sanctified place when you acknowledge that he's calling you. He's got work for you to do. And in verse 6 says it like this. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. It's an amazing thing when you spend time as a fugitive, when you spend time on the run, when you spend time out of fellowship with God. You don't actually play games in church. You don't, you, when, when you have an encounter with God, it's, 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 it's real. I could imagine that he had fear because he remembered his sin. He remembered his shame. He remembered how holy God was and and, and how he himself was not holy. He reflected upon the covenant-making, covenant-keeping God who had a covenant with I, uh, Jacob, a covenant with Isaac, a covenant with Abraham, and he's reminding him he has a covenant uh, with, with, with Israel. So he knows this is a holy God, and, and th- this God is reintroducing himself and reintroducing his covenant power with him. This is a holy moment where, like Isaiah had, when he got into the presence of God and he, and he fell in his presence like a dead man saying, woe unto me for I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. I am undone. See, when we get in the presence of God, when he gets our attention, he can get our cooperation. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and to depart from evil is understanding. What if God is trying to get us all cleaned up? What if God is trying to clean up your house, but he's has to first define where he sits in your house? Where does he sit in your home today? Where does he sit in this church today? Where does he sit in your workplace today? Because if God is there, then it's sanctified and it's holy. Let's keep reading together because that, that first thing is once he gets your attention, he can get your cooperation. And I'm praying that God has gotten your attention today and that you're remembering those times that he called you. Let's look at verse 7 together. Then the Lord said, I have seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry because of their taskmaster. I know their suffering, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out into a land uh, that is good and broad land flowing with milk and honey, a place of the Canaanites, the the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have seen their oppression of the Egyptians who oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh and say to him, bring my people, Israel, out of Egypt. And here, here it is. Wow, this, I, 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 really, I really love this. That he says, I've seen your affliction, I've heard your cry, and I know you're suffering. And I want to be just human with you for a moment, and I don't want to be a professional, and I don't want to lack, lack empathy. But my thing if, is if you see me, if you hear me, and if you know what I'm going through, then why did I go through it? Why am I having the pain? Why am I having these circumstances? Sometimes it's difficult to ask these questions, why, but they produce so much pain in our life, we have to. I want you to know God knows your pain, and he gives the answer. 
And much like Moses, it took 40 years to get Moses' attention. Israel forgets that it ends up in the situations because it rejects God. A lot of times we're in situations that haven't been caused by God, but have been caused by us. The good point that you need to know is God still sees you. God still hears you. And he's giving Moses an opportunity to cooperate with him. He's giving the children of Israel an opportunity to cooperate with him. And guess what? He's giving you and I today, right now, an opportunity to cooperate with him. He calls him deliverer. He said, no, he didn't call him. He said, I'm going to deliver. You see, this is powerful. The covenant keeping God is reminding of his, of his covenant that even if you fall into some trouble, I will deliver you. I will bring you out of the oppression. I will bring you out of the squeeze. I will bring you out of the problem. We've been in this oppressive state of bondage far too long, and some of the bondages that we're in are of our own making. Some of our addictive behavior and our sin patterns and our iniquitous living and our, and our anger and our frustration and our, all of these things that we've engaged in so long have caused our life to be squeezed and in bondage. And, 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 and you might be in here today and I'm, I'm telling you, when you're in addictive behavior, you can't stop. You don't feel like you can stop. You're not in control. And you might need to be honest with yourself today about where you are on those items. Is it really a slip? Or is this a slip every day, all day? Is this a repeated pattern in your life? God, the deliverer, is telling Moses, I hear you you crying about it. A lot of times, sometimes when people are in in sin patterns or addictive behaviors, no one has mercy on them. No one seems to, 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 to care. But I want you to know God cares. God doesn't sum us up as addicts. God doesn't sum us up as problems. He comes as the covenant-making God that, that we made a covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He said, I still am in the business of delivering. And he said, I want you to go to Pharaoh, and I want you to bring my people out. And Moses said to him, who am I that I should go out to Pharaoh and tell him to, to let the people out of Egypt, Israel? You know, isn't it isn't amazing. God displays who he is, and the first challenge that Moses has is identity. See, when you've been hopeless long enough, when you thought your education was going to be the answer and it wasn't and hopelessness is there, you lose your identity. When you thought you were going to make it in athletics and maybe you don't, you lose your identity. When you thought, Moses, you were going to be the deliverer and 40 years ago you tried to deliver a a Hebrew out of the hands of an Egyptian and you end up killing the man because you tried to access your gift without the God of the gift, you start getting into hopeless behavior. Who am I? Is that a question that is piercing you? Is that a question that, that you have not? Who am I? I believe, if, if I remember the statistic correctly, that, that, that this is 80% of what college students want to know. But verse 12, he said, but he said, this is God, but I will be with you and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people of Egypt out to serve me on my mountain. 
You know what I love about this? God has a plan. He knows your pain. He has a plan, and it's you. Moses, don't worry about who you are. Just know that I'm with you. Just know that if I'm with you, if I'm for you, who can be against you? You're so stuck on getting your identity that you don't understand that I've given you a promise. What, what is God really trying to do? He didn't even answer his question. He said, I'm with you. And, and, the, and the sign that everything is going in the right direction is when you actually do what I'm telling you to do. Maybe God is not trying to overwhelm Moses with understanding the whole picture because he might reject it and say, no, if God would have showed me everything that I had to go through to be where I'm at right now, I would have stayed in a hopeless situation because I wouldn't want to go through the pain. But within the pain, there's a plan. And guess what? That plan is you. Moses, you can do it when I'm with you because when I'm with you, who can be against you? Who can separate you from my love? The emphasis, church, is God is with you. You can't fix your house, clean your house, change your addiction, change your behavior, get rid of your shame or get rid of your guilt without God. He is here to end all hopeless situations and build your foundation back again. He doesn't tell them, hey, this is who you are. He says, I'm with you. Church, just look at somebody this on your left, say, God says, he's with me. Look at somebody on your other side, say, God said, he's with me. And then look, just inside, just look up to yourself, say, Lord, thank you for being with me. Let's just read verse 13. This is our final point here. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of our fathers has sent me, they'll ask me, what is his name? What shall I say then? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say to the people that I am has sent me to you. I am Jehovah. I am Yahweh. I am the becoming one. I am the physician. I am the doctor. I am the healer. I am the way maker. I am the bread of heaven. I am the life. God is whatever you need him to be, Moses. This is why emphasizing who you are is not important, but emphasizing who God is is important. He's telling him, you're not going to go introduce them to a new God. You're going to tell them that the God that they've always served hadn't forgot about them. He hadn't changed. The God that brought them to the land of Goshen can bring them out of the land of oppression. He can help you get out of every situation that you found yourself in. Let's go to verse 15. God also said to Moses, say to these people, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has sent me to you, and this is his name forever. And thus, I will be remembered throughout all generations. I think that's important for you to understand that the same way that he is giving Moses access to him and access to his name and access to his power, he's trying to give to each one in this room, each one watching by line, he's trying to give you access to who he is. He's the great I am. He's becoming or being whatever you need him to be to do all that he's anointed you, called you, assigned you, and blessed you to do. Verse 17. No, verse 16. Go and gather the elders 
of Israel together and say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared to me and said, I have observed, I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt. That makes me feel good. That no one gets away with anything. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, beholding the good and the evil. God sees, God will judge. God will deal with the people who are dealing falsely with you. This is why you don't have to fear being hopeless because the government doesn't do what you want. God, God sees, God, God will deal, God will deliver. You don't have to, in your home or, or whatever you're going through that's oppressive, you don't have to worry about it. He said, and I promise that I will bring you up and out of affliction of Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, the Hivites, the Amorites, the Perzites, the Hivites, into a land flowing with milk and honey. He is promising them that I'm not through with you. Just because you've been going through pain, just because the pandemic has robbed you of so much, doesn't mean God's through with your business, doesn't mean God's through with your family, doesn't mean God's through uh, with your ministry. God's not through with you. God's got a promise for you. These are the things that help you stay out of hopelessness so you can clean your life up. Here it is in verse 18, and they said, Listen to your voice, uh, and they will listen to your voice. And you and the elders of Israel will go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has sent, sent uh, Hebrews has met with us. And now please let us go, to go a three days journey into the wilderness that may be sacrificed to the Lord our God. Oh, you've got to hear this, church. Here comes their deliverer the Lord. Here comes the human deliverer, Moses, who was born to do this. And he doesn't ask for them to be set free as slaves. He doesn't ask for them to be uh, uh, taken out of the complete oppressive situation in perpetuity. He said, this get me get three days so they can worship. I believe that what God was trying to do is send the message to them that a lot of things can be solved when we just worship. I think one of the, benef- one of the, the things that we, we, we neglect as a church is the privilege that it has been to worship. See, when you worship God corporately, there was a Vanderbilt study that came out that says your heart beats differently. It regulates sugar diabetes. The, it, 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 it changes the, the, your, your, your brain chemistry. It makes you healthier. They, they said 60% of people who, 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 who worship in a corporate setting, health inc- increases even if it was failing. I'm telling you that worship realigns you. And, and I'm just saying, look at this. He said three days, three days in an environment where you're sacrificing and where you're worshiping God and adoring God is going to get your emotional health back together. It's going to get your physical health back together. God is saying, I want to touch you. I want to make you whole. I want to show you that I'm all you need. And, 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 and when you worship me, when you trust me as your deliverer, when you touch me as your great I am, all is going to be well. Even today, when you worship God, when you raise your hands up and you say, he is Lord, he is Lord, he has risen from the dead and he is Lord, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess Jesus Christ, he has arisen and he is Lord, he is Lord, he is Lord, he has risen from the dead and 
he is Lord. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess Jesus Christ. He has risen and he is Lord. See, that three days of worship, but those next verses will say that Pharaoh would not let them go. And you know what God said? Then I will compel Pharaoh with a mighty hand. And then it says that the Egyptians are going to give you things when you leave. They're going to give you gold. They're going to give you clothes. They're going to give you blessings. You see, God's first answer to their hopeless situation was himself. God is who you need. You don't need things. What regulates your emotions is God. What, re- what heals your body is God. What brings you out of physical and literal oppression and, and addiction and a bad behavior is God. And when you realize that it's God, then he can give you things that make your life easier and better. They all left with gold. They all left with clothes. They all left with the things that they needed to go and serve God. I want to remind you of something. When he got Moses' uh, attention, he could get his cooperation. When he got his cooperation, he realized there were, he understood his pain and there was a plan. And it was him. It's you. He has a plan. And guess what now? He always brings you out of bondage into his promise. He always brings you out of bondage into his promise. God's got great promises to you. And you know what he did? He moved the people to a place of sacrifice and worship. When he was taking them into the wilderness all these years, it was to rebuild them, to to retrain them, to retool them, to help them interact with God in a fresh, in a new way. What am I telling you? God had to take these slaves and teach them how to live all over again. Going back to biblical foundations is kind of like, saying, man, I've I've been thinking wrong, and I I, I need to start over and learn how to think, how to act. As you get your purple book this summer, I believe God's going to take you from your wilderness place to your place of promise, because you're going to see what he has in store for you, that he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, and you, covenant-making, delivering God. You are delivered you are free, you are blessed, you are anointed, you are part of deliverance that comes from God, and if he's with you, you're going to bring people out. Somebody's waiting on you, not just to see you go through it, but take someone else to their deliverance, to their promise. I want to pray for you. Lord, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus for this congregation, for the people on Fox, the people on Facebook, God, I pray that they would see the power in you getting our attention. You get our cooperation. They would know you understand our pain and that you have a plan and and we're involved and that you're bringing us out of bondage into a promise. May we all in this next season of time, these next four weeks as we go through our, our purple books, may we get so close to you that we start doing what Moses do, take off our feet because you're changing our house into holy ground. Will you show up? Bless your people in Jesus' name. God bless you. I love you. And I can't wait to see all of the miracles that take place because you took the challenge to go through the purple book 
and go through with someone else. God bless.